So everything's doomed, right? We're all going to die. <laughs> this is literally like the most anxiety-provoking week of comics ever. Right? Uh, they, but they were good. They were, they were fun. Great. They were enjoyable. But I have this pit in my stomach where I just feel like doom just everywhere. So many feelings and so scared about everything there is to come. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Doom. Justin, not Doom. I'm not even going to say it anymore. You you don't have to say your name if you don't want to. That's your choice. That's your prerogative. It's my prerogative. What's your prerogative, Alicia? Is it to tell us the rundown? Yeah, and let me tell you, y'all, we've got an interesting... Uh, rundown this week in that we've got so many we've got such a variety in how we're talking about comics so we've got x-men unlimited number 95 which is our digi for the week our digital comic then we've got scarlet witch number six and fallen friend the death of miss marvel number one and those are going to be like key points things that are worth mentioning then we've got our high level comic x-men days of future past doomsday And then our tangies that are the deep cuts, the ones we're going to talk about till we can't talk about them anymore. (laughs) Rogue and Gambit number five. X-Force, the Ghost Calendars part three, which is X-Force number 42. And Immortal X-Men number 13. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a doozy this week. It's a lot of of comics and a lot of news. 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 Wow, news, news. Hey, so it's Saturday. We're recording later mm-hmm. this week, and that happens sometimes, especially as we prepare for the upcoming madness that is San Diego Comic-Con. As and Alicia Khan crunches. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just general life things. But I do, I genuinely appreciate when we get to record a little bit later because I get to review the comics a little bit more. I get to read them again. Like this morning, I just read them while I was in bed. Just right read them all. Up, just read through them. Plus, more exciting news comes right, right, that out. Was, the segue was the news is that we had more news <laughs> revealed on Friday for one of the points that I had. So, Miss Marvel, the new mutant. Ooh. Just, just rip the Band-Aid off. It's happening. I think it was BMCG2. It was like Ray Charles saw that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's true. We've been talking about it. It's been a buzz. Nobody's surprised. But it's confirmed. We're all here. We're in in the world where we can talk about the fact that, hey, she died. It was a big emotional thing. Mm -hmm. And not but a month later, confirmation that she's coming back. Yeah. How, when, why, we're not entirely sure of the details. But we have some covers. We have some mixed reactions. I don't know how you feel. I think it's exciting. I mean... I think it makes sense because they're trying to align the worlds of the cinematic universe and the comics in some way. And I also think, I mean, I I, I do think there's a part of me that feels like it's a little random and a little like, why are we doing this? Why would you do that? But I'm intrigued to see where it goes. And I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think it's cool that the actress who plays Kamala in the MCU is writing the issues. She's involved in the writing of this miniseries. Yep, that's super cool to me. Yep. So yeah, so I, I like I'm it. just I'm curious of what spurred the idea. Mm-hmm. Right, it was just synergy. It was just connection of the character, the character background from screen to page. Maybe 
I do believe that Miss Marvel was initially intended to be a mutant, but because of the time that she was first created, mm. there was the unsuredness of Fox and the decision by Marvel to basically stop investing in X-Men stories. So they made her an Inhuman, and they tried to make Inhumans the new X-Men, and everyone said no. Everyone said boo, <laughs> boo. hiss. So we now have an unclear future as to what... Miss Marvel will bring to the mutant side of things. I mean, I think if you're thinking about it from the perspective too, right? Like when the news came out about like the cover with Tony and Emma getting married, and my thought was, well, this is a publicity stunt, right? Like they're trying to show mutant human relations for some sort of like saving of face in whatever is about to happen. The fall. But if you think about too, like we thought for a little while what are they gonna? What are they doing with Spider Man? Why is Spider Man always around? Are they gonna suddenly make Spider Man a mutant? And I think in that aspect, it makes sense to say like, here's a character that you know is maybe you didn't see them as a mutant, so you liked them, and now you see them as a mutant and as a human, right? Like you, you like Miss Marvel. She's strong and she protects you, mm-hmm. and then now she's a mutant. Are you gonna change your tune about her or? No, no. I mean, I. I still think she's a great character. I think she's fun. Think no, she's gotta... I mean from the human's perspective, sure, right? right? Like, right. oh, now all of a you sudden hate this she's, child? she's evil this because hero? she's a mutant, right? Like you thought of her as a hero before. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the before all that news happened, this point was just, hey, there's a there's an article about Cyclops and Miss Marvel's relationship explained. Ah, their so history. Their history on the champions and as Cyclops and his time displaced time of his life Mm -hmm. did you scan the qr code at the back of fallen friend no the last page has a qr code for some reason they decided to make you go to the website to experience this final page of the issue oh so there's a secret bonus page that includes mr scott summers (gasps) i'm going to it right now Ooh. right you'll understand spider-man scott not now. Scott, you're carrying something. A burden of sorts, and you're not sharing with the class. Seems like a regular occurrence. It's a, it's a brooding Scott. You know, it's it's just how he is. I can't believe I just completely ignored this QR code. Yep. Neither can I. But, you know, here we are. That's why I point out those things. Yeah. There was a article about the X-Men voices issue that's coming up in yes. August, I think. Uh, previews, promotions, solicitations of it's an anthology story. So a bunch of different un, un, unconnected stories featuring different characters, different creators. Little tidbits. Little tidbits and little character stories. And I, so I saw an art panel from each of the stories mm-hmm. and really interested in this issue. Really excited yeah, it about it. looks good. I saw the previews that you posted. Yeah. There was an article and I, I skimmed it because I was like, what? I don't need this. But then I got to the end and I was like, oh, okay, there's something here. It was the Hellfire Gala explained. You know, I read all of the, I just scan all the articles like, what? Take what's it mutant? In. What's mutant related? Give me something. So they're talking about the Hellfire Gala, mm-hmm. where it started from. It used to be the party that was printed in last year's issue. Right, right? the OG, OG. OG from the actual club. And then, you know, 2021 when Arako, 2022 when. Resurrection, and now 2023 when uh, Party Crashers, mm-hmm. Stark Sentinels, Cable from the future, Manifold, 
and the Rogue and Destiny callout. So a lot of pointing to what happened this week oh. and the buildup of Rogue and Gambit overall and the fact that Destiny has had this mindset out for Manifold. And to right. connect that point, what's happened in this final issue with what's been going on in X-Men, all these references to Manifold being the key or a key. Right. This need for teleportation, it seems, right? So yeah. Manifold and Magic are both on this short list of problems. Yeah. We're, we're trying to, we got to get Manifold and Magic's being tampered with. So what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. We shall see. Dun, dun, dun. But before we see what happens in the page Hellfire Gala, we will be at the Real life Hellfire yeah, Gala we will be. at San Diego Comic Con next week. Next week. Next Saturday night, we'll be at the Hellfire Gala. Next Sunday, I will be on a panel talking about X Men, talking about X Men fandom, talking about all the things that you know, basically we talk about on a day to day experience. And the panel is uh, put on by the Uncanny Experience, which we will also be at. The Uncanny which is Experience? Like- What's that? I'm sure I have an ad to play right now. This here is Lenore Zan, a.k.a. Rogue. It's Cal Dodd here, voice of Wolverine from X-Men, the animated series, Bub. I want you to join me at The Uncanny Experience, the ultimate destination for X-Men fans just like you. Where you will become a mutant student at Xavier's. And be able to explore the school campus, shop the vendor hall, and meet the creators and stars of the X-Men universe. There'll be panels, parties, immersive activities all throughout the historic mansion. Whether you're a fan of the comics or the movies or the animated series, you'll find something to love. This is Chris Claremont. I'm looking forward to seeing you all at the Uncanny Experience. It's going to be one hell of a ride, Bob. I bet it will be uncanny. Get your tickets now, sugar, at theuncannyexperience.com. Terrific. And that magical experience is taking place like 62 days from now or something crazy like that. That was I, I didn't have that information, but that's great. Wow, wow, wow. There's an updated MCU release schedule, right? Writer strike now mm-hmm. actor strike yeah a lot of uncertainty of uh, production for certain projects as folks negotiate for better terms better deals better job security for all the industries that make this copious yeah. amounts of money honestly the one thing that i heard i haven't spent much time thinking about it because i've been so busy this week but the one thing that i heard that was like oh we want to take background actors and we want to scan them and then we'll pay background actors for one day of work and then we can use their image and likeness in the background of anything we want limitlessly limitlessly forever and always and never pay them again. Right. And I was like, you have to understand as a person like trying that you, to be an actor. No, or, but or, like as a like as an employer of actors, you're saying like I'm going to pay you for one day and then you never get to work again? Like how do they not understand that that's just kind of ridiculous? Right. It's all about what AI is bringing to the film industry. Well, and, go and away, how, AI. Sure, yeah. I mean, Isn't yes. that what we're talking about right now? Essentially. The AI is ruining everything. Essentially, the right. The fall is coming. Nimrod. <laughs> so, in that list, everything was pushed. Mm-hmm. Except for Deadpool 3, which has just wrapped shooting. Oh. So, that was already written. That was already 
in development. I don't know how. That seems to have clicked ah, together quickly. I thought I saw something about there being a delay for Deadpool 3. No, Deadpool 3's, and, and unless this article is incorrect, that's actually releasing earlier than it was last stated. I mean, I can pull up the, I don't have all the dates. There's a lot of dates, but I'll pull it up right now. Untitled Deadpool movie previously dated on November 8th, 2024 has moved to May 3rd, 2024. So ah. next May. We did see an image, posted it, a comic-inspired Wolverine suit. And I say comic-inspired because it's not really comic-accurate. It's comic-inspired, Yeah. I mean, it has the flavor of a Wolverine look, for sure. I mean, you have to acknowledge that he's six foot two, so it's not going to look exactly like Wolverine from the get to the fact that he is... As tall, if not taller, than Deadpool walking yeah. next to each other, right? Yeah. I saw an edited image of a shorter Wolverine <laughs> next to Deadpool, and it was hilarious and ridiculous. But you know, a lot of people they're saying, what, "What's the point of the gun show? What's the point of working on all those muscles if we're not gonna let them out? If we're not gonna show those arms?" Take Everybody off, wants no sleeves. Take off the sleeves and give them a cowl. Well, he might have a cowl. And he might lose his sleeves. He's about to get into a stabby fight, I'd imagine. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. At least we're getting closer, right? Exactly. Trying to find the positives here. Yeah, and there are some. It'll be a cool movie. Yeah. Great cameos, a lot of rumors. I'm very excited. Do you have some personal news to share? Oh, well, yeah, my personal news is really just a mix of two things. One is this week we had our intensive week at the studio, which is a week where we have a boatload more classes than we normally do, and we bring in a bunch of guest artists, and, you know, I was sitting and watching class, and I was having this feeling of being really upset that I couldn't dance with people because of my injury, but then... You know, oftentimes I'm I'm in it so much and I'm experiencing it, but I don't get to like sit back and look at this thing that that I've built with people that I love. And it was really cool to like have my sad moments at the beginning of the week, but then as the week progressed, be able to like stop and look and say, wow, look at this thing, this awesome community of people who are so supportive and loving and dancing together and hyping each other up and it was just a really cool experience we had so many new faces come into the studio so that felt really good honestly to say wow if i have to take a step back this this thing can still run and yeah. it can still function and that was cool and, and thinking about what you can bring from right from a, an outside perspective yeah yeah and then the other thing is just i'm pretty sure my hellfire rasputin is done yes and I decided that I was going to make another magic sword so that I had one that could travel because magic really needed to come with me to San Diego. So, why not? You know, you know it's, been, it's been a con-crunching week, but I'm really, I'm really excited to go. And honestly, like, this trip is about Rasputin for me. Like, it all hinges on Saturday night at the gala. <laughs> <laughs> this is when Marvel's going to notice me, right, Marvel? Yeah. Come find me. Yeah. I'll be Rasputin. My personal news? Yes, your personal news. The indie sampler. Oh, right. So I had come up with this your, idea. Your new slew of comics you'll My be reading? My new slew of comics. So I had come up with this idea. I love to 
dabble in indie books, right? You know, the big two, Marvel, DC, and then a lot of other indie work is being created and published. And some of it is really great and has the ability to be beyond superhero books and, mm. and to be something else. And, you know, we've gotten really into Something is Killing the Children. Uh, yes. Uh, I love East of West. You know, there's a, a number of other uh, sex criminals I really dove into recently. Yeah. Anyway, so I found five titles that I had heard of, was somewhat interested in, had heard good things of, or knew the creators of. And I bought the volume ones of all five of them as mm. a way to sample what these different stories are. Ideally, at the end of the experience, at the end of having read all five, I would pick my favorite one and follow that one. And I would not buy volume two of all five Ha-ha. because that would be ridiculous, JK, right? LOL. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So I finished the first one. I'm not going to tell you all five of them. Okay. I don't even think you know. I don't. I finished the first one. Yes. Crossover by Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw. Mm. And... I read it first. I did it in the same way that I do books for the week and action figures. It is the one that I was least excited about. And it holds that position even at the end. The ending got me. Mm. But I pushed through because I was like... Uh, you I weren't enjoying it. I don't know if I wasn't enjoying it. I was really interested in the concept. So it's, it's a crossover between our world and the comic world. Mm. And using that word in its many meanings and a summer event basically and, and five years go by or so many years go by and society is kind of formed around the fact that super people sometimes exist in sometimes this world sometimes pop in right which is really interesting and then the ending got me the second book mm-hmm. what's the furthest place from here by tyler boss and matthew rosenberg that one has me hooked i i can't Ooh. stop reading that one Ooh. i just you know, the first one I read over the course of the week, that one I've almost finished within 24 hours. Wow. And it's much longer. Uh-oh. That's got post-apocalyptic world vibes, and it also reads like an Onion movie in the sense mm. where we're pulling back layers to reveal the details of what's happening in this world. My favorite. Yeah. Very immersive. Very interesting. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I'm getting to the point where it's, I mean, it's not good. It's not good for, <laughs> for people. Um, it's not going well, but it's going well. Yeah. Is it time for a poll? It is time for a poll. We have three entries in that poll. Ooh, what are the entries? We've got Rogue and Gambit. X-Force. X-Force and Immortal. Ah. All right. Okay. All right. Sugar. You know who won. Immortal X-Men. Duh. <laughs> what was the percentage, though? That's the interesting part. Of 57%. You got to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Oh, okay. 73%. Higher? 98%. 81. Split the difference. All right. You good. You good. That was terrible. That was terrible, but you good. All right. Well, what's, uh, what's second? Broken Gambit. X-Force is second. Dang it. With 11%. Rogue and Gambit bringing up the rear. 8%. Bummer. Bummer. <laughs> no, X, X-Force was really good. I was just joshing. I knew it wasn't Rogue and Gambit. I don't know. I thought they were all great, though. I have some things to say about X-Force. Uh-oh. We'll get into it. But first, it's a digi. It's a digi. Let's talk about it. X-Men Unlimited number 95. Our final 
of our family crossover. Because then you're maybe you're going to get your Sunfire story next? Maybe. I would be surprised if it was immediately following, but we'll see. I'm excited. This missing person from the captives, right? Uh, where's Invisible Woman? Right. Where is she? Well, she's kicking butt and uh, as, saving the day, as she does. As Layla is being forcibly reunited with her quote-unquote family. Yeah. Bad Daddy wants custody and doesn't want to marry Layla, which I think was really interesting. Again, this entire story has been really interesting about the psychology of Jamie Madrox and the pieces of his personality that get subdivided into these other people. Yeah, and, and what I thought was super interesting was when she was talking to, you know, the bad version, the bad daddy, she was saying, like, I'm glad that this part of Jamie is out of him now. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's interesting. So... This part of him that wants to destroy everything and cause a ruckus and thinks his wife is a nag is no longer part of him. Right. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Right, right. And how many dupe divisions did we have to do to get to right. that distilled persona that right. is still creating other versions? And I think that that's the end. Interesting part, right? So he gets captured by the Shi'ar Imperial Guard at the end after the team overthrows the bad daddies and Blastar. Yes. And I just, you know, are we just pausing until he escapes again? Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's how it goes, right? We can't completely destroy a villain because we need the chance that they'll come back. Right. And we don't want Jamie to reabsorb this part of him because he seems to have a lot more influence and sentience. I wonder how that would affect Jamie right, to bring him back in. Right, he's been like a dupe of his own, right. his own entity for so long. Yeah. I really enjoyed this story overall. I thought it was really great. Uh, props to Jason Liu just for continuing to build out this Jamie Madrox world in family. Yeah, and at the end, it seems like Reed and Jamie have developed a little bit of a friendship. And yeah. Reed's like, Mutual listen, respect. Let's, let's get together in a different situation, yeah. which I'm interested to see what that means for them. Right. Writer and artist Jason Liu, colorist Antonio Fabella, Letters, Travis Lanham. B.C.'s Travis Lanham. Now, I came up with this idea to just do a worth mentioning. Mm -hmm. What are the points of this next comic, Scarlet Witch, number six, that are worth mentioning? Because it's a a story that has absolutely nothing to do with X-Men. Exactly. Except for the fact that you have Billy, a mutant, Mm -hmm. reuniting with his mom. A lot of the interesting scripts Girl Cree connections of the Empire, right? What this story is doing out in space. Yeah. And the fact that on our last page, Joseph has made his right. move. He is revealed to Wanda. You know, talk about bad daddies. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, it involved uh, a renegade woman that is now with Scythia and yeah. a, a lot else that had absolutely nothing to do with it was enjoyable yeah I, if, it you're, was enjoyable. if you're digging the Scarlet Witch it's just you know and I always love the art pulling yeah and, and this was a different art team too mm, but it, it felt like still in the realm of yeah, yeah. you know it felt connected but yeah there's just a a battle that has nothing to do with the X-Men and I learned some things like I learned that is Wanda not Billy's biological mom? I mean, like magic stuff. Because and... he says at one point, my bio mom. They're sitting after the whole 
shebang happens and, and reconnecting and he says, my mom was, is, my bio mom, I mean. I could tell she was cooking brisket three states away. So he's like talking about this food, being a cook, whatever. And I was like, wait, what? And her name is Rebecca. And I was like, what's happening? This is new information to me. So that's a, interesting. Yeah. But Joseph is here and Wanda thinks it's Magneto for a split second. But then we get the letter from Darcy at the end that says, yo, this is just my friend's cousin, Joe. <laughs> so don't worry about it, everybody. I know you might be in the streets looking in the windows of the shop and say, hey, that guy looks like someone I've seen before. But don't worry. Don't worry, it's everybody. Not, it's not him. It's, it's not Magneto. My, it's just Joe. It's just Joe who, again, sporting that neck that throat detail. Right. And it's it's confirmation, right, for you and the the peeps who thought that that's who it could be. And he's somehow connected to this Mysterium necklace. Yeah. And that's really, that's what we need to know. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Lorenzo Tometa and Sarah Pacelli. Colors Frank William. Letters Josebino. Speaking about Josebino. Cousin Joe. Cousin Joe. Cover by Russell Dodderman. I mean, what did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. Rodro said, another book may have had the return of Joseph. This is exciting, <gasps> right? So this, I don't know if they meant that another book outside of this or this was just our second instance mm. of Joseph making his move. But I'm excited for that plot to see how that might actually bring some Krakoan tie and yes. what Joseph's place is in a magnetoless world. Yeah, should be interesting. Are you ready for some sadness? Oh, so sad. Fallen friend, right? So the death of Miss Marvel, it was abrupt, it was out of nowhere, and now we're mourning, but even though we have realized she's coming back immediately. What I thought that this issue did really well was, one, pay respect and tribute to the way, uh, to the process of, like, the the Muslim grieving process mm-hmm. and, uh, like, essentially their ceremony uh surrounding that which i didn't know anything about which was really cool to learn about and two i felt like i got a broad strokes history of kamala her ties to the superhuman or superpowered universe um you know, I knew a little bit about her friends, but I got to see how she was connected to the Avengers, how she was connected to the champions, how she's connected to these other groups. Wolverine. And yeah, to Wolverine. And that was cool because it felt like a really nice way to give you a history, uh, a little sweep of history of Kamala without having to read it as a history. Yeah. Yeah. Just having those moments of the MC of the Marvel Universe's interactions Mm. here and and to really bring a human side to it when carol came that kind of that got oh, me that got carol. me and and just the the bonding between logan and kamala's father and mm-hmm. uh it was just it was a nice issue and it was nice to see the care that people who knew kamala's identity as miss marvel were taking with the family and those around her that they wanted to make sure that they were paying their respects to both, both versions of her without spilling her secret. You right, know, just right. because she's gone doesn't mean we have to tell everybody that this was her. Like, keeping that sacred, I thought was really cool. Because she's coming back. Yeah, she's coming back, everyone. She's a mutant. So this is the second time that this has happened, and I'm only just realizing this. So I redeem my comics. Mm-hmm. So I have digital versions now in Marvel Unlimited. 
Oh, it's it a is scroller? completely formatted as a scroller, but more so than X Men in that it was just the pages scrolling. Individual panels have now been reformatted to have a lot more white negative space around them, and like it is a completely different comic now. Whoa, that's interesting. I wonder what's up with that. I don't know. I, the first one, I think it was a mistake with x-men and then they have yeah. since corrected well, maybe it, but... it was like that was the beta test yeah we're trying for... it out it's interesting though because f- layout of a comic is so important to the flow and the the vibe of the comic i feel you right. know so like Ooh. having two different versions i feel changes the way the story is is taken in absolutely and now i have absolutely no way of bouncing around pages mm. We already mentioned the bonus page, Miss Marvel and Cyclops, what that means for the future. Yeah. I mean, we've been saying it for a few weeks, uh, now it's confirmed. She's coming back, and she's a mutant, somehow. It's harder to believe after reading this week's Immortal and what's coming up, but, you know. Woof. We'll get there at the end. How about this? This was surprising. The Days of Future Past Doomsday? I have mixed feelings. Ah, okay. But, you know, we're going to high level it. You didn't know what to expect, did you? No, not really. Not really. I mean, I, I I remember I read Days of Future Past, so that's a thing. And I have some sense of what's going on. But I'm not sure in reading this, which we can talk about, like, what is new information to this comic and what is was already canon in the original story. But the cover's awesome. Classic team. I love the cover. All right. Well, let's give it a, a teeny tiny high level page turn noise. Right. So in this comic, we are exploring the time between Days of Future Past, the action happening, mm-hmm. not happening in the way that we know it. So this is essentially setting off Earth 811. In Days of Future Past, Kate sent her consciousness back with the help of Rachel yes. to take over Kitty's body and prevent the assassination of Senator Kelly. In this comic, Senator Kelly is assassinated. So okay, this... so there are differences. Okay, so did did Kate have children? Did Kate and Peter have two kids? In... This is the exploration of that story. Okay. This is somewhat has been revisited, right? You know, Days of Future Past, big property. We, we've done some things over the past number of years. This is the deepest exploration of that in-between time building to what would be the end likely butting up against Days of Future Past starting. Like mm. Everybody in that camp at the beginning. Yeah. Magneto's there. Magneto's here. The fact that we get like these year markers along the way. Year 28, Banshee dies immediately. Angel and Cyclops follow and sacrifice. Sprite and Goliath. I mean, that was too much. So, Kitty and Colossus' kids. Yeah, but their names are also Charles and Jean. Sure, yeah. Crazy. Killed. Killed. <laughs> just, just, just decimated. Just, just destroyed. And Cyclops has no eyeballs. Yep. Which we get some more information on later on. So, it's, it's just playing in this in-between time that has only been added to in a couple of different ways. One of them, which I don't think will be recognized as canon in this story, I was reading an article about uh, an interview with Mark Guggenheim, the writer, and how he wanted to position the things that were accessible to the canon of this. So there's a 
half of a comic that was released probably a year or so ago in a Chris Claremont collection. Oh, I remember this. Right, which has a little bit of a lead up to Days of Future Past happening. I believe that that is not playing into this story. Got it. Which, if that's not confusing, I don't know. What <laughs> no, else it's is. confusing. Yeah. T title page. Days of Future Past. Doomsday. Written by Mark Guggenheim. Art by Manuel Garcia. Inks by Cam Smith. Colors by Yen Nitro. Letters Clayton Coles. DC's Clayton Coles. Jeff Shaw and Edgar Delgado on the cover. Jeff Shaw, artist of Crossover. Ooh. Right, so we, we're on a montage. We're going through time. Striker. The Mutant Control Act. Secret Sentinels building. Mm. Prez for life. William Stryker is president for life yeah, as that's the Sentinels march. Woof. And they've got their own secrets. They're cooking something up. We have the the defenders, basically the Nazi Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like how do we how do we take everyone that's the villainous versions and make them who they are? So this is the timeline that Rachel comes from. Okay. So, right, we see Rachel yes. Gray Summers here, and she is born in this timeline. Her parents are Scott and Jean. I believe her mom is Jean, but Jean who actually bonded with the Phoenix, not Jean that was hidden in the bay and died. That's mm -hmm. why when Jean is on the panel later, they, they say, like, resurrected uh, because of that. Rachel has a deeper bond with the Phoenix in this than the gene of our 616 timeline. Got it. Sort of. Sure. I mean, the, the big worry here as, as these seemingly villainous men meet in this boardroom is that martial law has been declared on mutants, which mm. I don't know if you know what martial law is, but the temporary substitution of military authority for civilian rule. Right. So yeah. I can make a citizen's arrest and more. Yeah. If I want to. Especially over mutants because they are the worst, according to the government. They're a freaking menace. Yeah. The sentinel sentience is really the concern. Right. The sentinels are trying to say, We're the we're the boss. Right. There and this all leads to what happened in Days of Future Past, right? The fact that we are at a time where all heroes, regardless of their mutant status, are being targeted by the Sentinels. The fact that all humans are being targeted by the Sentinels in that dark future mm -hmm. because they produce mutants. So how do you cut out the source? Well, I mean, it's really, it's the powers of 10 argument all over. Right. right? It, it's the robots are on their own side. Yeah. It's not humans, and, humans versus mutants with robots working for the humans. Right. Captain America makes it Steve Rogers Captain America tries to uh, talk some sense, but he's shut down publicly. Ba yeah, basically just adds more fire. And uh, Spider-Man gets killed by a riot mob. He gets beaten to death. And it's interesting, this conversation of like, he didn't want to fight back and hurt anybody. So he just let them beat him to death. Yeah. And Kate is questioning, like, why would he do that? Right. Which I'm also questioning. Yes. But it's very sad to witness. Oh, yeah. Big time. Let's go to Xavier's school, right? Because we're worried about Magneto. He's got all these nuclear weapons. We need to stop the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood going all around the world, securing nuclear weapons, trying to aid Magneto in his march for mutant rights, for, mm -hmm. for mutant superiority. 
as they meet up with him and have a standoff, the, the metaphor of the Jewish struggle and what had happened to him previously, not wanting to have that repeated. Right. He's like, I've seen this before and I'm not going to let it happen again. Right. These images that tell us of, you know, the, the, the homes for mutants that then become the camps for mutants that then become just mm-hmm. dilapidated. Right. He goes and Xavier sends the X-Men after him to follow. A small group catch up with Mastermind. <laughs> Jason Wingard. And Jean accidentally sets off a bomb. Yes. And then in an attempt to absorb slash filter that bomb's energy, doesn't quite go the way she wants and... Cyclops is trying to be phased away by Kitty and instead he suffers the loss of his eyes I don't and Jean dies question mark maybe I mean she's not in the story anymore so I assume she dies what does and that mean to the phoenix I don't know that usually means she come back right yeah in fire explosions everywhere next yeah, it's just a picture kind of romantic over dead bodies so, yeah. No, I, um, no promo text, no subtitle. You get what you get and you come get more. I'm just unsure of this. I feel I was interested in the idea of expanding upon the universe that existed before Days of Future Past. Like, where did more about where the world was right before Kitty left because all we got in that in Days of Future Past was like walking through the yeah. dilapidated streets. Yeah. Right. So I was interested in that, but I'm I'm feeling like why do we need to make changes to it? It's already an alternate universe. Why can't you just expand? What what changes? Well, like the fact that there's kids. I mean, and- they they're just filling out the story that was otherwise unexplored. So I don't know that this changes, but they're just revealing more details. Okay, that... but so Sen- but Senator Kelly's already dead. Like I feel like that's a change. No, Senator. So in Earth eight eleven, where Kate comes from? Yes, that happens because Senator Kelly is assassinated. She sends her consciousness back to prevent right that before. From okay, all right. So that all that all is the story of Earth eight eleven, and then it gets prevented by that intervention and creates 616 or or continues to allow for 616 to diverge from that terrible future mm-hmm. of sentinel overlords okay well i just don't know how i feel about the story then <laughs> yeah i mean it's a it's an alternate reality in a pocket of time and i really enjoyed it i was surprised by how much i enjoyed it i felt like i wasn't sure what to expect and just kind of went with it. Longbox Lounge wants to know if this is official comic book canon. And I do believe so, right? So this is the Earth 811 timeline leading us up to, I mean, Marvel's putting it out. This reminds me of the other Legends type stories, but for a event or a point in time that is a lot more impactful than most of the others, right? Mm-hmm. This this is a big story. This is Days of Future Past. It's, it's my favorite. Right. Vitorino said, you know, I knew it was going to be depressing. I knew Gene would go boom in a big explosion. That's lore from way back when. But damn, mission accomplished. I am full of the sads. (laughs) Same. Yeah, it definitely was sad. 
Warline is surprised that Guggenheim actually wrote a good X-comic, which I don't have the history of Mark Guggenheim and why his other work has been previously upsetting, but he was convinced that Life 6 of Moira's in House of Powers yes. was the Days of Future Past timeline, Earth 811, when House of X came out as in the future of Nimrod where or the, the blue guy in the, the preserve was surprised that Moira was still alive and that she, he thought that she had died years ago. Mm. Now with Magneto trying to use nukes against humans in the Days of Future Past prelude, it makes him more convinced that this is Life 6. Mags was doing that in House of X 2, right? So the, the time where Moira and Magneto teamed up as a way to take over, which I don't know because I think that Life 6 is when Moira teamed up with Apocalypse versus Magneto, mm. but I don't know. Interesting. I don't think that any of Moira's lives are previously seen alternate realities. They might have similarities, but I feel like they exist in somewhat of a pocket of their own corner. Yeah. That's a lot of continuity to juggle. Marvel. Sugar and Spice Part 5. That creepy power broker. This was the cover... And solicitation that spoiled it for me back, ah. I think, like, issue two. Where I was like, hey, the power broker is doing all this stuff. And I was like, oh, come on, man. I was just I was just here for the cover. Yeah, it is a pretty revealing cover. Yeah, and a creepy one. Yeah, they're like little figurines. These my little playthings, which metaphorically, yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, they kind of are. Are you ready? Mm. Page turn noise. A love story. Mm. Moments from their history, their life, their love. Gambit and Rogue together through the years as they are fighting each other now. I very much appreciated this page. As a person who has only had little tidbits of their history as a couple, this gave me some key points that I think I really needed to better understand them as a couple. Yeah, well, I mean, even... These are specifically from issues, too, which I think is cool. Mm. So getting this Cliff Notes version is a cool nod to their history as this ends. You know, I'll be honest. I did not like this story at the beginning. I thought that it was out of character and a little out of nowhere. As we continued to go through, I enjoyed it more and more. And Mm. it, it landed well. I loved this issue. Yeah, the ending was good. We're facing off. Gambit is fighting, trying to fight through Rogue's control. I just, I just feel like my heart, like someone was like, like ripping my heart during this entire issue and like tempting to rip it out of my chest. Yes. Like I was on edge. I had so many emotions. I, my heart was like aching. Gambit basically saying he's not going to leave Rogue no matter what. And she's essentially like, I could kill you right now. You're going to die. And he's like, no, my girl's in there and I'm going to get her out. And like, please, Lord, I'm sobbing over here. I was literally crying reading this issue. Yeah. How strong you are. And this is Gambit. This is Gambit. Loves his wife. Still making dumb jokes. Not tying someone to a grill and lighting the building on fire. That was not Gambit. <laughs> oh God. Oh, but let's the, focus on this issue. The powers are broken. Gambit has freed Rogue. Mm. 
But the power broker, he's not, he's not here to have everything taken from him. He's done a little bit of his own work to take some powers, to borrow some powers from Lady Deathstrike. Indeed. He's got his little chest implant, shocking him into Lady Deathstrike vibes. And now he's hulking out and ready to fight. And that takes us right to our title page. Steel. He means steal. Right, not borrow. <laughs> Power Broke. Written by Stephanie Phillips. Art by Carlos Gomez. Colors, David Curiel and Fursu Fuentes Sujo. Letters, Ariana Maher. VCs, Ariana Maher. Steve Morris rounding out those five covers. Takedown against everything. The you go high, I go low. Team up shot. This uh, is great. yeah. These two together, really, I just can't. They make my heart so happy. Yeah, especially just how high, how big their smiles are, and they're just, yes, they're excited to be on the same team again. And this, this one of Rogue's, like, you know, put your tongue back in your mouth, Gambit. I know I'm impressive. I know yeah, you're, you're loving <laughs> I love everything it. about I love it. it. Yes, ma'am. He says. You know, the the art throughout this whole series has been killer. This yes. is Carlos Gomez, just hitting all the beats that made me love his work in The Exterminators Yes, just with a new team. Mm -hmm. Gambit makes sense of this remote and removes the powers from Power Broker, removes the control as Lady Deathstrike decides to dig her nails into his back. Yeah, and she's, she's not cool with the Power Broker using her powers, so she rips that little bug right off of his chest. You have something that belongs to me, and I'm not sharing. Yeah. And then, you know, since we've freed, since Gambit has used this remote to free all of those who have been underneath the power broker's control, we might as well let those folks seek their revenge. And we'll just uh, sit over here and uh, look cute together, but not not make out right now. Yeah. Does it make you you feel kind of hungry? (laughs) I'm hungry for gumbo. As we have Mother Destiny's meddling... Uh, this was huge. This is insane. This was the reveal that you needed to know based off of last week's X-Men. Right. So this whole time we're saying, hey, what's up? Manifold's super important. And now we've gotten him back. And yet we're still going to use this remote to control him so we can put him in a tube and hide him under water. In, in the belly of Krakoa of some kind. What? It, are we in New York? We seem to be at the treehouse, right? Especially mm. at the top. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know where this location is. We've never really seen this before. The fact that there's a pool of sorts, a koi pond in the treehouse. Yeah. Is it the treehouse, though? Or is it like a... The first page. The first panel. That's the treehouse. Surrounded by skyscrapers. Interesting. Why is Destiny at the treehouse? Why is Rogue there? Why is why are they why is manifold submerging there? manifold there to protect we him? We don't know, but we can't tell Gambit. We can't tell Gambit. We can't tell anybody. We just need to hide him away. Trust me. Nobody on the council trusts me. We'll get into that later. Nobody wants to listen to my crazy visions anymore because I keep on betraying everyone <laughs> to save my wife. I love Destiny. I, I, uh, she's crazy. Yeah. And I don't trust her at all, but I just, I love her. I love this moment where Rogue apologizes to Eden. Right. You know, he's under this control, so he probably, I don't know if he can actually hear her, but she's she's worried that 
Gambit's going to be mad at her. She's worried that Manifold's not going to like what's happening. She doesn't like that she can't share this information with anybody. And Destiny's essentially saying, listen, it's we, we have to do this You're or mutantum right. like, dissolves. Black, so Black Panther being mad leads to your problems. Yeah. Not a, not a worry. Trust me. And, and, you know, this interesting <laughs> comparison to, listen, like you and Gambit – you're all full alike, and that's why I love you both. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we get to see, hey, they have a Manhattan apartment. Yeah, I, I guess. I didn't know that. I guess they moved out of the treehouse and still wanted to hang around. Still live in New York. Still lighting things on fire in the kitchen because Rogue is trying to make some gumbo for Gambit. And it's not going well. No, it is absolutely terrible as he's reacting to having tried it. I told you I would never lie to you. Yes. And he quickly pulls up something on his phone to order food from. <laughs> this is really sweet. Just them home life trying to build together, build back what they had, uh, the rockiness around, all the cats everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the trust that Rogue has in saying to Gambit, like, I don't want to wait for Forge. I know you. You know me. I trust you with my life. Take this chip out of my neck. Yeah, and he does. He's able to do it. Hey, I wonder where Manifold went. I can help him with his chip. Right, and where also, where's Manifold that pesky go? remote? Seriously. I had hmm. that in my jacket. How did it fall out? Don't worry about that. It's make-out time. Don't worry. Shush, shush. Let's get busy on the kitchen floor. Seriously. The cats are like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys doing? <laughs> And then we get a gumbo recipe. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you will stand at that pot and stir like my ancestors did. Yeah, don't you don't you bake this? Oh. Don't you sully the good name of gumbo? Ridiculous. I mean, I don't have a gumbo recipe, so let's do it. Serve to someone you love with some extra spice, of course. Haha. What'd you think? I love this issue. Love I love this, this issue. issue, but I I. So y'all know I texted Justin while I was reading this issue and I was like, I can't help but just put myself in Rogue and Justin in Gambit when I'm reading these issues. And I just like, I think that's what makes it more emotional for me Yeah, is there are so many, there are differences, of course, but there are also just so many similarities in the dynamics of our relationship in Rogue and Gambit. And it was our first ever couples costume that we yeah. did together. And it just, I don't know, it, I... I feel overly connected to their story in a way that maybe is silly, but I just, I felt so much more in this book than than just reading this book, and that made it much more impactful. Interesting. We should read Mr. and Mrs. X. Ooh. Because I feel like you would absolutely love that. Yeah. It's better. It's better. Okay, well, <laughs> then let's add it to the list. Yeah. I really enjoyed this, though. I, I you know, I said it before. I was definitely on the outs, in the middle, and then slowly working me over, burrowing into my heart. Mm -hmm. And, okay, uh, I, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't at first, but now I do. And, I liked it. And, and it's, it's the difficulty of reading and talking about comics in real time, but also it's the reality of... So many people stopped reading this because mm -hmm. they did not like how it started. Which is interesting because it seems like it's going to have big ties. a big effect sure. on whatever's about to happen to Krakoa. But I mean, so you know the detail of it, right? If you read X-Men, you're like, okay, this manifold thing. 
And so you're not necessarily missing a whole lot except for this bit about Manifold being buried under the, right. the treehouse. That seems... Otherwise would be unknown. Mm-hmm. Because the next of this is the Hellfire Gal. Indeed. You'll right? see them ending, again. Right? You see little Juggernaut in his, his suit. <laughs> little Juggernaut. BMCG2 wonders, maybe there is still hope since Manifold is alive. I hope so. You know, the, the fall, that would be great. The, the destruction that seems to be coming. Destiny said it would pay off. Yeah, right. She said, "This is worth it. This is what we need." Don't you lie to me again, Irene? Seriously, if, I swear. If this is just so Mystique lives, oh my god, I'd be so pissed. This is not. Did you learn nothing from Sins of Sinister? I know, probably not. <laughs> Fake Torta, Destiny written. Like in X-Men or Rogue is just plot reasons talking. She needs more care like in Immortal, which I thought was a really interesting point to pull out, right? So the way that, and I feel like it's it's the nature of Immortal, the fact that that has her as a main character. She is of the council. Arguable that she was a main character in this title as well, mm. being the reason that brought them together. But I would agree that most of what she's saying in this title and in that X-Men issue is really just, you know, the Miss Cleo bit. <laughs> Miss Cleo. Future seer. I, you know. Call Miss Cleo. Oh, my God. Miss Cleo. She's just telling you what's going to happen and it's bad. Whereas in Immortal, she has character struggle. She has internal conflict because we actually get her internal monologue. Mm. We've seen more history there. And Kieran is tending her as a, a major player in that book. Mm-hmm. Which I thought is interesting. Curls wants to know, Justin, what's your thoughts on Rogue and Gambit? It wasn't Mr. and Mrs. X, but I still enjoyed it. Curious what it would be like without the Fall of X tie-in. Yeah, interesting. Well, and... And so I, I kind of talked about it. I, I really enjoy Mr. and Mrs. X. I feel like it was a lot more fun mm. than this. This felt a little, I don't know. I don't want to say heavy, but because it wasn't really heavy. It, you know, without the Fall of X tie-in, I don't know what this title is, right? Because so, it feels like the reason why these heroes were being captured by the Power Broker specifically was for Orcus. Right. And... The whole what to do about Manifold seems to be a driving factor that was this title, was this story. I think outside of that, it's really just a way for a deeper dive into Rogue and Gambit's relationship and this idea that they had this separation and now they're trying to find their way back to each other and right. like reconnect with what it is that makes their relationship so powerful. Which I thought came through at times yes once we got there it was that one issue i think issue three when they're fighting and also having couples therapy at the same mm. time maybe that was issue four that was okay here here's the the goods here is yeah. the meat here's yeah, the juicy bits issue four that was like once she was like all powered up and right right beating the crap out of him yeah vaderino says why you gotta rip my heart out like that, Irene? I was having such a fun ride, and this act of betrayal is going to be huge. I can't imagine Manifold will forgive Rogue easily. I, I just, like, it's like, you gotta wonder, like, why? Yeah. Because it's like... The whole greater good concept, right? Can, right. can Manifold, if he's able to see the fruits of what he is able to accomplish, having been saved, 
will he see the justification? Exactly, because Destiny's framing it as like we're protecting him so that he can protect us. Right. So... We all going to die if Manifold isn't in this little tube. But everyone is just saying we're all going to die all the time. Sure. So, like, how do we escape it? I just feel like we don't. I'm so scared. I can't. I'm not okay. I finished reading this week's comics, and I was just like, I just feel like my whole body is anxious, and I need the gala to happen so I know what's up because I'm scared. Yeah, because, I mean, they've been saying flat out. They said it at New York Comic Con. The mutants have been winning yeah, for too long. For too long. I mean, they put out that trailer and they were like, death, destruction, yeah, ha-ha, yeah, yeah, yeah. explosions, let's, Nimrod. Let's, like, just, let's just be upfront that it's not a good thing that's coming. Right. It's not a good thing for the people. It's it's that like, that we know it's not a good thing and then we're getting all of the build up in all of these books is like just ending with tension. Yes. You know? And so then you're like, ah, okay, this isn't looking good for anybody. And we know it wasn't going to be good, but it's like really not good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Barusu 33 really feels like Destiny has something up her sleeve for the gala based on how she's been acting. Yeah. Is Destiny going to save us all? I hope so. <laughs> you know, I, 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 she doesn't really uh, give that vibe, but... right. Seems a little too selfish for Destiny. Yeah, I, I just hope that she does recognize that she messed up a bunch. Right. Did Sins of Sinister like actually teach her that just trying to save Mystique only just doesn't actually get her what she wants? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Barusu also said that Rogue and Gambit went from being forgettable to I want more, more, more. I know. It's so upsetting. Like, there's none left in 100%. that. 100%. That's it, baby. And they never want to see Deathstrike go back to being a villain. And I, I like that's the side yeah, of yeah. Deathstrike. I've loved her in Deadpool. Yeah. She's really... And I feel like that's where a lot of that characterization came from, too. Mm-hmm. Building her into this new role, which, great. Here for it. Love it. And especially to see it in another title. Yeah. That's the one that has the Krakoan ness to it. Maybe you know, I keep on mixing that and Scarlet Witch up. Oh, yeah. Like, why am I expecting Scarlet Witch to be relevant to the X-Men? It's not. It doesn't even have a little X. Right. You know what has a big X? X-Force. X-Force. With Nimrod Beast. Oh, I was, man. I was hyped for this issue with this cover. Ridiculous. I'm going to tell you, I felt like it fell a little flat. Ooh. Uh, I just felt like it. the plot's very neatly very quickly very like we we click click clicked up to the top of the roller coaster and then we're done i think that this series the ghost calendars series deserves a shift of perspective right like what was the purpose of this what was the root in the overarching story that ben percy is telling why did we need this to happen and I think, you know, we'll get into it a little bit more as we get into the issue, but I think it was the facade that it was about Beast and the actuality was about the team and the situation with Colossus. And Quentin and Cerebrex. Right. Right. It, yeah. That's, I don't know. But We're anyway. going to get into it. Let's dig in. Page turn noise. 
monologues as I become the worst. I'm Beast, and I put versions of myself everywhere, and one of those versions is a Nimrod version. Because, you know, that would be the ultimate expression of what I should become to safeguard mutants somehow. You tell yourself that, Hank. Yeah, whatever you need to tell yourself. Rising up with the Cerebro Sword. This data page, Utopia 2.0, the watchful eye of Hank McCoy. This is the only way that mutants can truly have a utopia, is if I am literally watching everyone do everything all the time and, and making sure it's all good stuff. Yeah, that's a Dictatorship? A, a dictatorship. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. a... Yeah. Yeah. You're the worst. That's what that is. But don't worry, because X-Force is here, and they're sneaking in, and they're funny little telepathic ski masks because we can wear ski masks and they have no connotation in this society right you know it's just gonna obscure your faces and it's a ridiculous sight gag and i'm here for it these holographic beast sentinels patrolling the city just letting him know what's going on and a a reminder to the people hey you know beast is our lord beast is watching he is in charge and don't feed the humans, okay? Don't feed... We've got a human zoo for the tiny little amount of humans that's left. The sanctuary looks like Sesame Street. Like the, the sign, the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, we've made it to our title page. Beasts of Future Past. Which I love. Mm-hmm. The Ghost Calendars Part 3. Written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Paul Davidson. Colors. Guru EFX. Letters. Joe Caramagna. VCs, Joe Caramanga. Joshua Cassara and Dean White on the cover, the last X-Force cover for Joshua's run. I know. And interesting to note that we have a giant X through Omega Red and it says deceased. He's dead now. Which is... Worrisome. Interesting because he died on this mission. Can he be resurrected? Will he be resurrected? Why would he not be able to be? I don't know. I think he could, uh, just as we find in the next issue that we'll talk about. Probs not. Five's on strike. Spoiler! Hey, naked people. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Look at these humans. Look at these humans. It's just, you know, this is life now. Might as well hang out. They're just like animals at a zoo, which is sad, sad and, and terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this is a Powers of Ten callback. This is Sins of Sinister callback. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what is beast version of all that terrible stuff that these bad people want to do and you realize beast you're just like them yeah you're, you're just the terrible same. quentin has a brain fart right their their identities have been revealed the mutants they turn on the, the whole 1984 elements of everything yeah the state is watching you cut to beast and his lair and his dead fool. Dead fool. Come on. Adorable. Isn't there anything to, left to scheme? There is nothing left to scheme, dead fool. Isn't there anyone left to kill? There's no one left to kill, dead fool. What about more war crimes? Aren't there more war crimes? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I love it. The war crime thing. And then just doubling down on the defensive. Like, it's not a war crime. I was doing a positive thing. Right. I was doing good for the people. Right. Interesting how I like how we're seeing Deadpool because Quentin left him behind, sort of seeing what has happened to him. Right. And noting that he stays through and through, like in the timelines where he's 
been left for like this is a thousand years in the future yeah and deadpool's still around he's still around and he still has the best interest of our friends in his heart Mm-hmm. as but wait yeah beast knows now it can't be one one of my people is seeing colossus seeing quentin choir as they run off hey we, we gotta escape we gotta take down beast there's some weird technology spilling out of Quentin's mouth. We're not sure what's happening, but it's not good all around. But Sage actually realizes that there's a parasite within him controlling him. Mm-hmm. Which, interesting. I don't know how you deduced all that. Computer brain, maybe. Yeah. Probability crunching. We don't want to kill these people. They're just his pawns. It's this, not their fault. Right. Yeah, this is just bees being terrible. So take out their knees. I love... I love these panels. I'm not sure why. It's just the ridiculousness of Colossus hitting Quentin in the side of the face <laughs> with his hand and like, hey, wake up. Do the thing. Ah, yes. <laughs> the, the Colossus gesturing. Like, you know, this. Mm-hmm. Do this. You see this thing? Take care of this. Oh, right. Okay. Here's a car. Let's go. It's silly. It's fun. I, there are elements of this that I really do enjoy. It's just how quickly it wrapped up that felt disappointing. Yeah. I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. When I kind of feel bad for Ben Percy because I feel like when Ben Percy tries to take the long game and slowly tell a story, people say, oh, it's just too long. Wrap it up, Ben Percy. And now this is short version and the the critique is this happened too quickly. It's just the ends happen too quickly. It's the same thing with Zeno. We had this huge buildup and then it wrapped in one issue. This had a relatively, you know, to think that this is the Beast arc, not the full of it because we're going to get the other side in Wolverine, but this is the the end of the, the ultimate expression of what Beast could become and he's taken out by Deadpool. It, it just felt flat for what was... And to also intertwine Cerebrax and resolve that in the same sweep. It just felt, it just, I just, I wanted more from it. Okay. And maybe it's the timeline of it. You know, I, I enjoy the plots. I just feel like the endings feel rushed when I'm reading them. Okay. I just, I'm just, I feel like if this was left hanging and then resolved in another issue, there would be the critique of like, did we need to drag it out like that? Maybe, but I just feel like it's not the first time I felt like we have built to this big ultimate bad to have it handled in half an issue. Well, Beast in his Cerebro Sword is ready to go head to head with Quentin in his mind car and uh, just doesn't go well. Easily takes down the entire team, has fun doing it. Like, yeah, I, I needed a workout, thanks. I've been growing I've bored. I've been super bored. This was fun. Let's go back to my lair. I've got new fun suits for you all. What's happening to Quentin? Why is he looking like that? Why is he vomiting? Is this some sort of distraction? Yeah, this giant robot coming out of his mouth that no one seems to notice. <laughs> the fact that it's able to sneak up on... An AI that I imagine has the ability to scan the room. 
He's distracted. Yes, he's monologuing. He's, not only is he distracted, but he's full of himself. He oh, does sure. not think that anything could sneak up on him. Therefore, it is the perfect opportunity to sneak up on him. Cerebrax is Nimrod Beast, and Nimrod Beast is Cerebrax. And I'm hungry for the minds of all the mutants. And then there's Deadpool, who just says, oopsie. Yes, ridiculous. Slashing through these two threats with the Cerebro Sword. I just think it's kind of interesting to think about it in the sense that we keep, you know, Quentin does it, people do it, like brushing off Deadpool as if he's not important. And we keep getting these instances where he is integral to the story. And I don't know if that's like some kind of commentary on Deadpool or just fun to have Deadpool and Deadpool shenanigans. He's the sad sack of sorts. And that's mm-hmm. being played up, especially in this jester type yeah. outfit, right? You know, it's literally, hey, look at this guy. He's our punching bag, but also he comes through and has a lot of heart. Right. I feel like there should be some moment in in the comics coming up when it's revealed that Miss Marvel is actually a mutant where Deadpool's like, what the heck? Yeah. Like I should actually be a mutant. I've been here. I'm fighting. I'm doing the thing. I'm like, on X-Force. Miss Marvel didn't even want to come to Krakoa. <laughs> Seriously. Society breaks free of Beast's control. Let's get out of here. Let's go. Yeah. As this data page, you, you sent me the picture as you were I reading I literally this. had goosebumps. Yeah. The potential clue for someone to be tipped off. Domino, I need you to go to my farm. I need to not be there when you go. When you go back to Krakoa, make certain I'm not there at the time. Go to my farm and... Dot, dot, dot. Cut off. We're back on Krakoa. And even just the moment in in that data page conversation where, you know, Colossus is saying things to Domino and she's saying, like, you're so much more yourself right now. Like, you've been holding yourself back and cutting yourself off from us and and it's nice to have you back essentially and yeah. then the moment they get back to Krakoa he's just like I didn't say go to my farm I said do nothing we're not friends <laughs> these these facial panels who yeah. what <laughs> nothing I was telling you nothing the chronicler and, regains control yes he's back and I'm I'm really excited that it's Domino who's going to be involved in yeah because you know she's gonna go to the farm sure she's gonna investigate some way right and and does the chronicler know what because I don't know how much is reported I to him think, right I don't think the chronicler chronicler had any contact with Colossus while he was gone because right. the way he says there he is I can feel my connection to Piotr returning like. So he my, doesn't know that he told Domino. That that's my question. Yeah, what, I don't what, think so. Reed, because they're on Krakoa, does he know anything that Colossus is saying on his own? I think that he can. My assumption is that he can only be connected to Colossus and know what's happening in that moment. Like I don't think he can go back and sift through Colossus's memories. I think he can experience what's happening in real time, but because he was cut off, he's not going to know what happened during that time. Good. And, I mean, Colossus was going to say to, like, go check and see if his dead wife was buried, right? Or his dead girlfriend was buried. Or, like, like go to my farm and what? Like, look for the The carcasses I have buried. Look for the paintings I have. Like, Interesting. 
The only thing that is questionable in this moment is that Domino does say right now, you said to go to your farm. Yeah. Go to your farm for what, right? right? So that, the chronicler does, I guess, have that information because he hears Domino say it. Right. So he could be like, instruct Colossus to immediately go to his farm and destroy everything. Destroy any evidence, yeah. Or now knows that Domino knows something, right? The fact that he writes her name in response to Domino, he only said nothing. I was telling you nothing. Mm. Friend, farmer, soldier, spy. Next. On the other side of the Hellfire Gala. With Deadpool on the cover. He's back. What'd you think? I really like this issue. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I said this last issue when I realized that the ghost calendars was only three parts. I did feel like, why are we doing this? Why are we going through time and space? I mean, there's so many things to think about. It's like, all right, we're setting up for the fall, right? And we're setting up for this idea that mutantum is going to be destroyed in some way because that's what we keep alluding to. So is the knowledge that Beast has contingency plans all over the place is that going to come in handy and is that the nugget that we needed from this is the turning of colossus or the uh more knowledge of what's happening with colossus is that what's important is the factor that deadpool plays in everything is that what's important like thinking about the little seeds that were dropped in this quick story versus the content of this quick story well because even as you're saying that i'm thinking and again as taking immortal x-men already as read right right? so you you're here because you either know or you want to know what happened in immortal x-men the council decides to dissolve itself right in the end what does that mean for x-force right what does that mean for piotr as the liaison as the lead Mm -hmm. uh, supposedly in in conjunction with sage where is his authority there right what does that mean for the chronicler and mikhail who are using piotr's influence on the council to their advantage right how does that play in and then also like we lost quentin to Cerebrax, and now Cerebrax is dead in a distant future, and Quentin is back. And he's old. And he's old, right? So, like, these are all things that maybe the story itself didn't satisfy, but it dropped little breadcrumbs along the way that I think is what I was saying in the beginning of the discussion of this issue is, like, let's reframe what this storyline gave us. Yeah, and I I get that. I, I get all the seeds. I enjoyed the issue. It just, it felt like another, it just gave me the Peacock Man vibes. Mm-hmm. It just felt like another thing that we made a big deal about. And even just Beast's story, I, it's been dragging out, not in a bad way. I feel like this is a different way to express what he could do. And we've been getting some satisfying build and we'll get a conclusion in the Wolverine side of things. Mm-hmm. I just... It just felt quick. It just felt quick. You know, I I am interested to see how Colossus's plot wraps mm-hmm. when it eventually does. Will it be in half an issue, and and then I will be in this same position again so, where I might enjoy what had happened, but so okay. What is it that you would want? I'm just like trying to think of you know you saying like will it wrap in half an issue like. How would you like to see that plot structured? Like over what kind of a timeline? It's less, it's more about the fact that 
we spend all this time saying, this is the big bad. This mm-hmm. is the big bad. This is the big bad. And when we get to the big bad, easily defeated, easily dispatched. Right. So I'm not, I, I understand that. I'm asking like, do you want like, one full issue of Colossus realizing he's under control and then another issue of like a confrontation and then a resolution or like uh, how yeah. I want if if this is the big bad, I want the big bad to be a threat. I don't want the big bad to be resolved so quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. So if if Nimrod Beast is supposed to be the ultimate expression of what Beast could do, how is he defeated in two panels? That, that's the part that feels unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. If the Peacock Man is supposed to be this mastermind building all these things, the, the thing from issue one, why is he so easily defeated on Genosha? If these are the, the final bosses, there should be more of the exchange, the tete-a-tete of them and the heroes versus this build of them being the looming threat and then the heroes take them down. Well, maybe it's that the heroes keep thinking these are the big threats and they're distracted by these things that could be the big threats and then they take them down. Well, really the big threat, which is Orcus, is looming in the background. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I'm just trying grumble, to reframe yeah. perspective yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, think yeah. about it in, in another way. But I understand what you're saying completely. Like It was crazy that Cerebrax jumped on beast and then we didn't get any like cerebrax and beast together crazy action it was just instantly deadpool cerebro sword through the two of them and it's over i get that and and i just feel like that that's another part of it is the fact that cerebrax dropped the details of last issue right that Mm -hmm. that he's squirming around in quentin still that felt like another big plot that was otherwise just on the ticking up to build and then disappeared. And then now here it is to collide in and both be wrapped up. Mm-hmm. There's also the idea that maybe Ben Percy had all these ideas and all these things that he was building, but then fall of X kind of is falling into place and he is sort of forced to not be able to ex- like, sure, because runway, the idea that you know? like he, he's just building this world and just yeah. doing it, for how he wants and and what strikes him in the moment. But then the overarching, you know, ex office is like, all right, we're all going to go down this road. And he's like, all right, I got up. You've got, you've got six months left to, to tidy some stuff up, which definitely is frustrating, right? When you spend so much time invested in a story and then it is over quickly, but maybe that that's the reasoning behind it. Captain two, Michael wants a beast Nimrod figure and, I 100% agree, Michael. <laughs> Absolutely. It's interesting because he had also asked uh, who would be great in D&D. Oh, yeah. Like what, what X-Men character would be great in D&D and, and called out Deadpool specifically. Mm. And I think that, that you know, to, to talk more about Deadpool as a character and what he brings, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think he also said Cypher as a, a way to be able to talk to anybody, right? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know who I would want. I mean, I feel like we just recently went went down this road in our personal lives and creating D and D characters, and I like started using magic as a source for my character, and then it completely derailed once I got into the actual like categories and species and yeah. all that stuff of D and D. So, so that's an in depth question for another time. <laughs> Vaderino liked it, but was kind of bummed that everything wrapped up so neatly. Ah. 
<laughs> I guess my next question is, is it so neat? Question mark. The beasts are still there in storage. So dot, dot, dot. Right. I, I wonder. And I feel like that is in the tease for the next Wolverine issue that one of these two is not walking away from the end of the story. Right. And you think about like, just because and and Quentin kind of said this at one point, like just because we're going into the future to do these things doesn't mean we're taking them out of the past. Sure. So Nimrod Beast is still buried in Stonehenge somewhere, you yep. know? Yeah. Maybe Nimrod Beast will come and fight regular Nimrod and save the world. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Eric Hoffman feels so bad for Colossus. He almost got the truth out. So close. So close. That was so painful. Yeah. Yeah. Because I literally, like like you said, I sent you the picture of my goosebumpy arms at the bottom of that data page and I was so excited and then I turned the page and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Galetta Grafico calling out Nina Domino feeling something for Pyotr. Mm-hmm. Right? Which has been somewhat in the background of a lot of the X-Force run, right? Them bonding in the beginning when, yeah. when Domino was a central character, getting that character development, and even Colossus. Yeah. And through their... Their discrepancies about resurrection and yep, what should yep. be remembered and all of that. And, and incoming fall of X. We're worried. Warlion's pointing out, hey, does Cerebrax have Pym particles or did it eat Hank Pym? How is yeah, it coming is in it? and out of... Quentin without killing him because that's a huge robot, right? Yeah, that is an interesting question. Right? Is it nanobots? How, what is the formation of it that it's able to shrink or reform or build? Does it have something to do with Quentin's powers and its connection to Quentin? I don't know. It's interesting. On to our final book. <sighs> Immortal X-Men. It's a beautiful cover. So gorgeous. Right, Doug? He's just like, hey, take, eat from my bounty. Me and the flowers, man. Me and my good friend, Krakoa. Here we go. Page turn noise. Big old quote. No man is an island entire of himself. I'm not going to read the whole quote, mm-hmm. but it is a famous one that I've heard referenced. I don't think I've actually read the full thing or where it comes from. So this is interesting. Mm. And especially when thinking of a man as an island unto right. himself, right? You know, being alone, being a singular. And I feel like that thematically ties deep into the conversation that happens throughout this issue, right? Ah, oh, this issue is so good. Being a society versus being alone in yourself. Mm-hmm. Watchful Doug, noticing as they're continuing to talk, the sinister secrets were revealed. Yeah. The sin, they, it's out. The everybody, world knows. Everybody knows. And he's just watching. And he's noticing. The leaves. The leaves are falling. The leaves are crumbling. What does it mean, Krakoa? They tell me, which was very intentional throughout the issue to Mm. give they them pronouns to Krakoa. And I I Googled because we have previously referred to Krakoa as a man, Mm -hmm. sometimes as a woman, trying to understand what they identify as. And I found a page that lists them as a gender. Ah. Right? Which I think is interesting to think of an island. Island has no gender. Right. Right? The island that walks like a man was the introduction of Krakoa. Never said that they were a man, right? Right. But walks like a man as in like mankind. Right, right. Human. Bipedal, right? Not male identified. Swang and junk. Okay. That was 
unnecessary. <laughs> it's fall. I, I do want to point out, because I, I wasn't really thinking about this when I saw it, but Future Dog Walker had asked about the fact that Doug's arm here is a, a Krakoan phalanx arm of some kind. Mm. The, the fact that Warlock is gone, right? right? We don't know what goes on with that now, how that's going to impact Nimrod. We uh, talk about, he says, biotech that filled the space that Warlock left. Right, right. So some kind of the the nature of Warlock having bonded with Krakoa now has filled that gap. Well, it's interesting because you think about the way that Forge has been working with Krakoa and we know that Krakoa feeds off of the mutants and... So there is this, and and we talk about it further into this issue, this idea of what's happening with the mutants is melding with what's happening with Krakoa. Yeah. So Forge is working to translate Krakoa into a technology, yeah. right? And so then that technology is then infused into Krakoa, which they can then infuse into Doug. Right. Because... I think unbeknownst to Forge even is there's even more technology in Krakoa based on Warlock's initial meeting. Right. And whatever happened when in through the astral plane and the infection that then ruined my life and killed Warlock. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Warlock. I want him back. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's a title page. One Mutant is an Island. Deadlocked. Part 13. Written by Karen Gillan. Art by Lucas Wernock. Colors David Curiel. Letters Clinton Coles. VCs Clinton Coles. Mark Brooks on the cover. Oh, goodness gravy. Ay, ay, ay. Well, first of all, first of all, Oof. let's just talk about the art really quick. Oh, yeah. Because I just have to say. The faces. It's so, they're so beautiful. They're so beautiful. The one thing, the one thing, as we'll get in throughout, that I, I'd give as like a note on the art, is the when when the people are in the distance, like little Shaw on that second page over here, and just little Shaw doesn't get a lot of detail. Little Shaw misses some of the the, the facial details, but then you look at little Exodus, right? Very detailed, very filled out. Well, and because Shaw's nothing, man. We sure. don't care about him. Sure, yes. <laughs> it's just an interesting use of the perspective and how far back Shaw feels because he's so small mm-hmm. in that. And then how you lose some detail in his drawing. Something happens similarly to Celine on the page after that. Little Celine. Yeah. Little stick figure Celine. And I understand, especially in these small perspectives, you know, artists are working on a larger board, but still, you're going to lose some details as you add yeah. deep, but there's just something that made me laugh as I was looking at it, and I wanted to call out. But the art in general in Immortal X-Men has been amazing. Yeah. The, the facial details, the emotional expressions, looking at this mother asking Emma in her, her recap or, or unshared details, if their child who has been brought back by the Phoenix Foundation, are they safe? Are they sinisterized? Right. Have they been infected by this? And Emma says, I think they're safe. Right. It, it's just interesting. The quick 
connection of these things. The Phoenix Foundation being created shortly after the Sins of Sinister timeline going off mm -hmm. and how those two things influence each other. And I think that this next, these panels where the council is basically like coming at Emma because she tried to go to the United Nations and smooth things over and it didn't go well. It's like, yo, Emma did not vote to do this. I highly doubt that if Emma was given a vote that she would be like, yeah, let's tell our secrets to the world. Well, like, I mean, she even calls them out. Right. Like, she, I, like, I don't think they're saying that she would she would do this. It's the fact that she's trying to realize what this means for Krakoa as a nation, as a business, as as a, an ability to provide paradise for everyone. The fact that you know we 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 can't sell them their goods because nobody wants to buy it. Well, that is going to crumble. Right, but it's like the connotation of what it is. So Doug's giving us the over overarching, like, Emma tried to go smooth things over, and Charles saying, we all saw the footage, and it looks deeply upsetting. Is there any personal perspective you wish to add? Like, that feels like you're scolding her. I don't, I don't, I did not read it like that. I think it's more, it's deeply upsetting as to what has happened. Did you, did you get any details? Because we've only watched it secondhand mm -hmm. right what what happened actually on the ground that you might want to share and and she doesn't want to share because it emotionally it's too much like she is actually having her heart broken having to tell this family and, right and you see that in her expression oh the lashing out about kurt and just talking about how you know would kurt have agreed to this too right and and xavier just hey kurt went through a lot and this feels really good as a i don't you know, Kieran in his newsletter, he calls this the end of year two mm. in Immortal X-Men, which is interesting timeline wise, but content page count wise, end of year one was the sinister reveal at the end of issue 10. And then you have Sins of Sinister. The, oh, the, the three... stasis. Nope. No. Sinister Xavier taking his helmet off, having oh, a diamond oh. on his forehead okay. at the end of well, his head. You just did a he helmet motion and said the sinister reveal, so I of, wasn't of sure Xavier. what you meant. You didn't say Xavier the first time. Okay. At the end of issue 10, that's the end of year one of content. This mm -hmm. serves as the end of year two in his mind of, okay, like the building story. And that makes sense page count wise if you include all of sinister and immoral mm -hmm. and... But also feels like what what no what what are you saying, Kira? Right. right. But but this this recap of all of the things that Nightcrawler has gone through in these issues, what has happened in Legion of X that transformed him into this monster that made him as a, this killing machine for Orcus. Right, and I think this the tensions and the collision of what's happening, and you know. This moment when Emma says, I'm not sure which of us is worse. Me, who pretends not to care, or you, who so obviously cares and then does everything that you do. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, Xavier is really being called out in this issue. Yeah. And I think that that's really important because he needs to be... He needs to look at Krakoa differently than he's looking about it. I feel like the issue that I have with Xavier is that he is so tied to this idea that him and Eric and Moira started Krakoa. And he's like, but we did this and we did that and I was influenced by these people and I I conceded my values to do this and that. And it's like, okay, Xavier, yes. That's, that's how started. it got here. But where are but we we're now? But we're here yeah. and for the last, let's say, two years, right, in their time, 
for the last what is time? two <laughs> years, we have been coming at this as a council that needs to build, but you're still coming at it as you and the people who built this versus the rest of us. And that's where I think the issue is, is that he is clearly talking about things that he's held on to. He's been probably upset about the way that he had to concede his dream secretly or like on the subconscious level the whole time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, that's at least what's being seeded right. in the later pages. And I think that that's necessary to explain the change in his character. Mm-hmm. Right? I feel like that does a lot to understand what he's been struggling with throughout the arc of House of X mm-hmm. since the start of this. I love Celine's line. Why are people without votes hogging the floor? Like, what's going on? Oh, Celine, I want to punch her in her stupid face. Sure, because she represents the evil of the council being manipulated by Orcus and Mother Righteous and everything else. But also, you know, she's got a point, I guess. It's an interesting point by Destiny as well to bring up that Celine broke the laws of Krakoa. It's a valid if, point. If we're going to put anybody else in the pit, like, why is she on the council? Why does she get a vote? She destroyed an element of the sacred land mm-hmm. and attacked it. Right. Oh, man. The, her, her like, uh, and her little... <laughs> he Celine's <laughs> working with the Orcus. Ooh. It's <laughs> like, yeah, it. you are. You are, though. You little butt face. You are. You and stupid Shaw. The clashing of people, just Storm already starting to be this voice of, hey, we can't just destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Exodus wants everything to be taken down. Yeah, let's he's pull, had enough. Let's pull Sinister up and question him. And Kate, the voice of reason here, hey, how do you think that's going to go? Do we really need yeah. season two of Sinister Attacks Everything? <laughs> Destiny just, Sinister. hey, whatever we do, we need to, de- to get Celine off the council. Right. This isn't good. Whether or not you guys want to believe me, she is in Orcus's pocket. Right. The subtext, how Doug's narration here really gets into what he goes through. Right. Noticing the meaning behind words. Mm. Right. What Destiny is now unable to convince people with her her flat out saying, how can I put the idea in your mind? Hey, uh, you know, you would be compromised if you had gone through Krakoan Resurrection. You would not get this vote. Right. Oh. Let's dig a little deeper into how exactly it is that Selene is here. But also... Because the, the magical means is very vague, Selene. But also, this tips off the idea to Exodus, who understands, no, okay, all right. If she were to go through Resurrection in Krakoa, she would be compromised. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should do that. I love Hope just like cleaning her gun like yeah. oh maybe i'll just shoot you how about that these next few pages this explosive battle between exodus and Celine, as as he really demonstrates his power mm-hmm. i feel like exodus we've talked about it before he has not really had a whole lot of characterization right he's gotten a lot of exploration in his power and in his philosophy through Immortal X-Men. Right. And so he's just basically like, all right, well, then I'll just kill Selene so that what Destiny said can exactly. happen. And Storm takes a moment to sort of step in here and... You're making a mockery yeah. of our, our government, of our country, of, of everything that we're trying to build by doing that. That, that yes, she is terrible, which I, I don't know. I just, I feel like I love Storm. She can do no wrong, but... The fact that she is 
backing Celine in some way. Mm-hmm. I, I get what she's saying about how you're destroying. She's Krakoa backing the, the institution of the council. Exactly. Which is on shoddy ground to begin with. I'm like, Storm, can you just, can you just pop back to Araco real quick? Yeah, like, just, just you, look the other way. You left and you let this mess happen. So you just need to like butt out of this business right now. And, I love you, but you got to go. And that's what I'm saying. And, and it's also what Exodus is saying. The fact that, you know, we, we had the devils in our utopia and we expected that not to affect us. The mm-hmm. Garden of Eden has been tainted from the start. This right. whole thing was corrupt way back when. Right. This this idea of him, this flex in the center of the council, like, I am here because I choose to be here. Right. You do not have power over me. You right. cannot put me in the pit. Right. Nobody puts baby in the pit. Right. Right. You give it a shot. See what happens. Yeah. One thing that I want to call out that like you don't you maybe don't think about as much when you read the issue the first time but then you go back and you look at it and you have this narration of Doug and he's he's kind of like witnessing what's happening between Storm and Exodus and he says I feel Krakoa's tensions behind me I know if they thought things were going to get bad they'd look after me so I presume this can't be that bad and then what happens in the end of the issue Yeah is Krakoa looking after Doug? Right. Over the bad that's coming. It's interesting. It's so interesting. So, I mean, we'll start to talk about it now. But how in Rogan Gambit and in Immortal, some mutants are safeguarded. Right. Taken off the table. Right. Similarly, in the fall, uh, the, the build to the fall Legion mm, of X. Right. Right. Where Nightcrawler kind of took himself out of there. Legion took himself off the table. Right. These certain mutants that are removing themselves for unknown reasons. Right. Like, where are they going? Why are they, like, tucked away? Yeah. Exodus calling out the Iraqi truth that, that power leads and those uncontrollable hold that power. Right. That they fight for that truth of, well, you know, th- this government is a lie. Right. And the really true only government is whoever has the most power leads. Right. Absolute power rules absolutely. He tried to give Krakoa a common purpose. And I assume that that's meaning the Messiah. The- this building on the lore mm. of what the five can bring to us all and how that can be the, the divinity of mutants, the... Krakoa themselves as a god of some kind, you know, right. the, the higher power to believe in. But that didn't work. His overwhelming emotions here as he's just, you know, completely overcome. Yeah. And hope takes a second. Exodus. Walk it off. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You know, even though we have resolved everything, everything is fine with, between us. But walk it off. Let's, let's take a seat. Ugh. Now we've got to get a deep conversation. It's time to get real with Charles Xavier. Yeah, I'm, but he's busy. Like, what? What do you want? A message from Krakoa? Let's go. Right. You're trash. That's the problem. <laughs> Charles, you've got to listen to the people. Right. Like This is for the people. Doug it- is about to drop all of this on you. He's about to tell you, I've been keeping all of this from you because I knew you wouldn't listen. Because you might hear the words I'm saying, but you're not really hearing yeah, me. You're not seeing the And impact. so I'm not going to tell you these things. I'm just going to do them. But now it's gotten to a point where it's really grim and you need to know 
what's what's building in the background against you. Yeah, dropping the download on this data page. The people, the small people, the unknowns, the the B or C listers all the way to the Z listers. They don't believe in Krakoa as a nation and it's affecting Krakoa as a mutant. Mm-hmm. Also, also, the jail is a lie. Right. I've you been letting guys are the out. only ones who really experienced the pit that you, you the way you wanted to. Sabretooth's kind of gone. I'm the one who let Nature Girl out. Like, Whoops. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I would point to some of the things in, in their approach that maybe also didn't help anything yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure the letting of people go and the deciding to make changes in the pit just because you wanted to were not maybe the right choices. I loved this page after the data page because I feel like it's the part of the argument that's been missing. The This doesn't feel like the X-Men, mm. right? Everybody's saying this feels like a cult. This feels like so far removed from people fighting for a world that fears and hates them. This this mutant separatism, this mutant essentialism, this idea that Xavier is conceding was not what he wanted. This is bigger than what he wanted. This is the, the concessions of his dream that he had to make to get to this point. But this is exactly what I was talking about the other day when we were talking about Scott and Jean. And I was saying I feel like Scott is aligned with xavier's idea like scott was saying we don't need to make another place for us to live because that's separating us from humans and xavier saying the same thing we are part of the human race right. and if we separate ourselves from that then we create this reason for a divide well yeah and then i think my counter being scott being somewhere between xavier and magneto is because he was approaching those purposes for the realities of the incoming war if we were to separate, then they were going to do something to almost usurp our claim to this planet, which I feel like is a difference here. Xavier always wanted them all to be together. That that was his dream from the start. Like, mm-hmm. let, let's hold hands. Let's all be of the human race. Just some of us have power. We're not gods. He's so he's crying. He's so sad. It's up to me. And that's the thing. That's I just feel like that's your biggest downfall, Charles. It's up to you. That's all the mutants' biggest downfall. That's Forge's biggest downfall. That's Beast's biggest downfall. That's Sinister's biggest downfall. You know, it's it's the comment here later that we have been acting as individuals, not as a combined society, pooling our resources. You know, it's it's the facade of everyone at this table. Right. The council is a freaking lie. Sure, it's always been a lie. You know, it's everybody. It, it's been a lie from the start because it was always Magneto, Xavier, and Moira puppeting. Right. And even when those walls came down and Moira betrayed everyone, it still was not everyone honest and across the board because you had Sinister doing what he was doing. You had Destiny suspicious of what Sinister was doing. Mm-hmm. Shaw, you know, Colossus, you know, everything, again, moves and counter moves against each other. The backstabbing. It's yeah. great. You know, it's, it's people keep on connecting it to that show Succession. The, the the political battles as a coup is revealed. But we have this moment that I think I want to talk about before, which is Doug saying to, to Xavier, like, you have to let go. Right. And if you don't let go, we're all doomed. Like, can you do that? And it's like, is he saying to, to Xavier, like, you have to let go of this idea that it's all on you? Yes. And... That you need to be the one who saves us. Here's Here's what I am wondering. Like... So Krakoa feeds off of the mutants. And Doug is is broaching this conversation like he has 
like we know Destiny has knowledge of the future in some way and she's constantly putting warning out there of like this is going to happen, this is going to happen. The way that Doug is talking right now of like you have to do this or we're going to fall apart, like how does he know that? I feel like he knows that because he sees what's been happening. He sees what's leading to it. Doug is the voice of the people in this, right? Mm -hmm. He is boots on the ground, the person that actually feels and knows. He has this message prepared from all the, the I don't want to say lower, but like the plebes, you know, the, the people, mm-hmm. the not the Scots and the Jeans, as he's saying. Right. Because he's been watching. He's been understanding. He knows. He sees the effects that this is having, the... The fact that nobody believes the fact when Sabretooth was getting out, how that informed and influenced all of those people. So he's saying, if you don't do this, it is all over in like an educated guess kind of way. It's where not things are like leading. a I I've seen the future and I know. Yeah, he has no power to see the future. It's just this is where everything's leading. This is where Krakoa is feeling because of the impact of everyone not believing in us. But then, yes, a few of us have gotten together and we've made a decision. Yeah, this inner group with majority sway deciding to dissolve the council. It it, it blows the whole rules of not voting, mm. right? Shouldn't Xavier, Emma, Exodus, yeah. Destiny, Hope. Hope, all these people not actually have the ability to vote for this? Right, they shouldn't, which is why the strike of the five is so important, important right. into this decision because the rest of the council could just say, well, you guys don't get to vote, so it doesn't matter what you decided. But Hope is saying, well, we talked about this and I talked to the five, and if this doesn't happen, then resurrection stops. Yeah. And until this is announced at the gala, resurrection stops. Yeah. Like, that's it. Destiny, alarm, alarm. This is bad. This uh, We shouldn't be doing this. Shaw is so upset. Celine is like, all right, let it go. Let's do it. What are we doing instead without think, a council? I think that's the interesting difference between Shaw and Celine is like Shaw is in cahoots with Orcus and he needs the council to be with like, Righteous, that's, yeah, but like that's his, his sway, right, is like he has the council. And Celine also being in her dealings with Mother Righteous and, and Stasis and Orcus, she also, her in on that is the council, right? They want their boots on the ground, so to, so to speak. They want their inside man. Shaw, at the mere thought that the council could be dissolved, is outraged and is showing his cards. Right, He's saying, he is, like, this is my source of power. Like, Right. This is the only reason that he would potentially get Krakoa, which is what he wants from right. the end of this. But the way that's just interesting to see the difference of these two, like, dirty mutants, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And the way that Shaw is freaking out. And Celine is like, whatever. Well, she because has no, if she... She has no horse in this game. Right. But she does because she's wor- she was brought back to life by Mother Righteous and Orcus. Sure. But I don't so, know what what kind of hold they have over her or what what they need from her you know did they just do that to help i think that they did that to help sway what we saw last issue to get the sins of sinister timeline revealed right but i'm just saying all the point i was trying to make is that celine is better evil villain than shaw is because she's she's keeping her cool and and 
continuing the through line or the story that she's telling that she doesn't have any skin in this game when yeah. I think that she actually does. But it's just interesting to see them side by side and have her just be like, eh, whatever. Yeah. I'll come up with another way to figure doesn't it matter. out. Because the more that you, the more of a ruckus you cause, the more attention you bring, you're bringing to yourself to say, why does this person care so much about this? Yeah. Shaw does not care about Krakoa. He cares about his business dealings. Mm-hmm. The argument of what will we do for government later? A telepathic democracy? Like that's not mm. that's not what I did all this for. That's not Exodus is seemingly out on this. And Doug, the idea that all the words, the internal processing, he understands everything, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he knows what to do. Mm-hmm. He's a good boy and he means well, but this is overwhelming. Everybody's got their own ideas, their own inputs, their own influences. And he's just trying to do something that makes sense for the betterment of the nation. This evolving government idea, this a mutant government of sorts. We need to be better than what we've been in the past. We need to dissolve the council. Any objections? Only destiny. Which I thought was interesting that Mystique does not back Destiny's plan. She doesn't even object. She doesn't raise her arm right. in this idea. I could not get over the idea of like how much Destiny must hate Doug right now. Oh my gosh. The end of Inferno, where he let Moira go. Right. The end of this issue, where he's just... He's, she's like, uh, no, this is not what you should be doing. This like is you're actually... You're constantly ruining everything, Doug. Go sit in the tree branch, little boy. Go sigh your... Breath of relief before the ground opens up. Wait, what? What? No, no. Doug. What's happening? And this idea that Krakoa is telling Hope, like, I'm protecting him from you all. From you all, from from the future, from what's going to happen, from the schemes. Protect him. Protect him from what? I know you bald. Yeah. We don't know. Right. Like, obviously, I'm trying to get that answer, Charles. And then I think one of my favorite lines of the entire issue is Destiny saying, we made a mistake. And Emma saying, oh, Irene, just the one? No. We've made a series of mistakes over the course of the entirety of Krakoa. (sighs) You know, this whole thing really, I I was trying to think about it a little bit while we were talking of. I've always thought it was interesting that the council's been broken into seasons. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the seasons and you look at the fact that autumn is called autumn and not called fall, and we're very specifically brought up the idea that the word fall has multiple meanings within the English language in this issue. And then you try to think about like, what is the significance of each season and who is on the council currently within that season? Yeah. You know, and like... Spring is very much like the new the new life, right? The the breath of fresh air, the rebirth of things. And we think about how at the beginning of Krakoa, we had so much focus on the Hellfire Trading Company and the newness of what that was bringing to Krakoa and like Kate becoming the Red Queen and Emma and Shaw working together and all the innovation that's happening with Krakoa. And you have Shaw, Emma, and Kate as the spring seats. And then 
Summer being Nightcrawler and Storm and Colossus is interesting because I don't really know like what is the what is the meaning of Summer, you know? Yeah. Well, it was Jean instead of Colossus, right? It's the mm-hmm. idea of Xavier's children. Right. I think that was the initial concept was, hey, these are these are the folks that should back me. This is the counterbalance to the evil side. Right. Right. And then there's Winter, which is... The evil side. The evil side. Exodus and Selene and Mystique. And then, which used to be Sinister, right? Yep. And then, besides Selene. And then you have Autumn, which is the fall, right? And you have Xavier and Hope and Destiny sitting on those seats currently. It's just interesting to see, like, where that lines up and, like, how those things are playing into... Is there any connotation behind what seat someone sits on in the council? I just thought that was really interesting that we're hearing that fall is a word with multiple meanings. And then this, but the council seat is called autumn. Just, you know, little things for your brain to think about. Deadlocked is not the next. That's actually this issue. Yes, I was confused by that. So I don't think so. And I, I did just look up the solicitation for Immortal fi- uh, 14, which doesn't look good. You know, To me, my no one. It's yeah. Xavier on Krakoa with a sentinel behind him. To me, my no one. Right. Yikes. This was tops of Immortal X-Men. It had everything. And in such a big picture perspective, the mm. explosive battle, the backstabbing and scheming, even Xavier's lead coup in the name of no scheming. Like, I, I didn't want you to be able to, to cook up something, so I cooked up something myself. Ugh. Shaw is pissed. He wanted to overtake the island government, and he now has nothing. Right, but also Shaw, like, shut up. There's no government, so you can just start your own. Like, look at it with fresh eyes, man. But can he overpower Krakoa in some way? No. There's nothing to control. There's no, you know, what what happens to the, the petals, the... The drugs, the business. Right, but that's what I'm saying is like, you need to take a breath and reset, Shaw. His investment's all gone. Oh, shut it. That's all he cares about. JP Didomasso asking right out of the front, where is Doug? Right? He's been taken likely in a a positive way into the belly of Krakoa, not in a stasis type way. not in the pit. He's not with Sinister. Is he he in a no place? Did Krakoa create a little whoop? A little bubble? Yeah. I couldn't imagine that he's going to put him in there with the Struckers and... (sighs) Sinister. Sinister, right. I feel like we need to... So we made that list of like the seeds of Orcus. I feel like we need to make a separate list of like the mutants in in safe holds before we go into the gala. Like who are the mutants that are tucked away? We know Kurt has left. We know Doug is inside Krakoa. We know Manifold is under... The ground somewhere in New York. Is there anyone else who's been like tucked away? Technically, Babel, not tucked away by ourselves, but he is on ice. Mm-hmm. And then Sunfire it's like, is yes, yeah, Sunfire away is in other worlds. I guess Rachel and Betsy are also who knows off in right. potentially another dimension. Yeah. Interesting. Something else to think about. Just just thinking about, you know, we know that the gala is going to be bananas, but there's also this idea that 
oftentimes we have mutants who we don't think should be at the gala because they should be traveling through space or doing something else and then they appear at the gala so is that really any is that really any hope in oh these mutants won't be affected by what happens at the gala brew brew gilbert rojo 1022 wait what the hell just happened to doug seriously the pit what the hell Uh, you know i know safest place for him is where nobody can get to him yeah Blonde China and Mike Loves Mariah Carey, what did Hope and Krakoa say after Doug was taken? And I, I was talking to Mike Loves Mariah Carey. It's interesting to think we can't translate what Krakoa says. Right. To think that Krakoan, the language, is not the language that Krakoa speaks. Krakoan right. is the mutant language that they invented. To live on Krakoa. Which is not the language that Krakoa natively speaks mm. with Doug and or had spoke with Arako. Right. Bill on Twitter wants to know, how is Bay the Blood Moon feeling about what happened to Doug? Could she try to speak to Krakoa? Right. Where is Bay? She's probably caught up in the war on Arako. Right. Right? The divisions that are up there that are... Because Genesis is coming. Right? Yeah. War is coming. Yeah. War is likely here already. War is all over the place, baby. Seriously. And to think of Bay trying to speak to Krakoa and her power is the death note you know <laughs> oh bay bmcg2 wondering do we know where emma will land after the fall maybe still in immortal we don't know exactly is she safe is something happening you know is she going to be tucked away in some way right we don't have her on a title i know and we keep talking about that and i can't think about it is she on x-men at least Kate is fighting Orcus. Right. And I have that. And I know magic is in Realm of X, but I don't know where Emma is and I don't like it. LV Duart saying the reason behind exposing Sins of Sinister to the world makes zero sense, it's guys. It's so stupid. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Like you have to know that this was a bad that idea. This was some sort of evil plot. Right. But what could Who they in have their done? right mind would say, yeah, that's going to be good for us. Right. But they created this structure of government and they needed to follow it. Right. It's like the it's the people who can't vote know and, and Kate right. know that this is Terrible. wrong and would vote against it, but they don't most of them don't have a vote and then it's like this idea of like it's kind of the reference of little brother games, you know, yep. the like I'm not touching you. It's like well, I'm going to say I'm not doing it for evil reasons, even though we both know I am. Yeah, yeah. But you can't prove it. Right. What you got? Go ahead. Prove it. He also called out the democracy being telepathic line. Like, what does that even mean? You know, like this this idea that how do, how do you police and or make sure that someone's not taking control over? Well, you don't. <laughs> right, right, right. You just trust. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna pull. It's like, it's like we're gonna take the idea of the Hellfire Gala and the vote, vote right, and just and make we're that just everything. gonna use that for everything. And there is absolutely no way to have checks and balances in that kind of system, which doesn't work as a government. I feel right. It's a fraud. The Pikachu wants to know what would you like the next stage of mutant government to look like? Something similar to Threshold. Which sent me down a spiral trying to remember what, yeah, what the is, threshold yeah. government was. I was like, ah, I'm pretty sure they were just having fancy parties and <sighs> some what kind of. What would I like it to look like? I I liked the council. 
But I understand how that did not work. They were not well, voted on. Right. I think if, if you were if, going to do a council, you needed to have it representative of the people and right. like term limits or some kind of balance from the people. Right. I think that's that's the route because I don't think a singular like president ruler type situation work. is not going to work. I still think a council or like a a collaborative of sorts is yeah. the way to go. But those people do need to be voted on. They can't just be decided on by Charles. Right, by the Kremlin. <laughs> Pikachu also thinks that Apocalypse is going to use his Okaran gate seed to rescue Doug from the depths of Krakoa. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. He pointed out the Doug-Krakoa hybrid in Powers of Ten. Is this the start of their symbiosis? Oh. Right, right. I think that that was an evolved form of... Krakoa kind of taking over Doug's body, right? I Interesting. Think. I mean, if Krakoa is infused in Doug's arm, that's already starting. Yeah. Right, right. Whoa. Crazy. Whoa. Warline is convinced that Doug and Krakoa are up to no good and wants to know if he's the only one. I don't know. I feel like Krakoa only wants the best for Doug. Well, what I think is interesting is I think Krakoa only wants the best for Doug, but I think the point that Doug made in saying that the actions that we're all taking are bad, which is making Krakoa bad, is an interesting thing to yeah. think about. Because I don't think at their root, Krakoa is evil. No. But I think they are influenced by they're, what's happening. They're self-interested. Yeah. right? They're protecting Doug for personal reasons because Doug is the only one that understands them. Right. And also, I think Krakoa has been sitting quietly and watching the council be idiots and they are like, I'm just going to put my friend Doug in a bubble so y'all can't come for him right yeah. now. Also, get off me. Yeah, leave me alone. Warline's on Celine's side right now. Oh, Jesus. If Irene doesn't know anything, she should shut up. Yes, I know Celine is scheming, but the characters don't know that. And Irene is just acting like Moira when she didn't want Destiny alive. Which I think is an interesting point, right? She's not. She doesn't have anything to back it up. She's just saying, no, this is bad. We need to not do this. Mm. So it's hard to believe. I don't think anybody should be on Celine's side personally no, because she's no. terrible. But I see what you're saying. Yeah. Vaderino said, Doug for the win. Except I'm annoyed. Krakoa gets a vote. Krakoa could have voted no and put the Sins of Sinister decision in a deadlock. That they didn't act is frustrating. That's an interesting point. The fact that like they get a say in what happens. But I don't know. I don't think that anything that happened in this issue was under the pretense of an official vote sure i think this was like i think this uh, was like an uprising i think he's talking about last issue right when they were right but i'm saying i don't think krakoa gets an actual council vote i think krakoa and doug and all the things that have happened in this issue was like we're not gonna sit by and let this happen we are we are related to the council in some way. We are here. We are seeing this and we are overthrowing the right. situation. I mean, that was always, that's the check and balance, right? Is that if Krakoa doesn't say yes to things, then it doesn't fly. You know, Krakoa is the final say. They're allowing people to live on them, to, to have this kind of symbiosis. That yeah. was the, uh, like the external gate, right? Right. To, to potentially bring back Arako. That was overruled by Krakoa. Like, no, we're right. not shutting that down. And I think that this was Krakoa saying, y'all have messed up too many times. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm dying. I'm, I, like, enough. Yeah. You should have made a better choice and you didn't. But yeah, they could have intervened a little bit sooner. 
Vaderino also wanted to know who would you put on the council to represent the people of Krakoa, like Doug mentioned? Like who else? And I feel like who we would or who would they? Because that's the important part. Well, I, we've been saying it for like since the dawn of time, Danny Moonstar. Sure, it's Danny Moonstar. I think that the people are going to pick other folks that they believe in. I, I feel, feel like, like Cyclops would get chosen. Sure, yeah, and that makes sense. Like it's interesting because you would think like I think because of who is at the forefront of comics, like I think the people are going to pick like the Scots and the Jeans and the sure. or the like um, the people who are on the teams but are not the leaders of the teams. Sure, right? Like the people that have the public face, right. the people that are out and doing stuff. I think it's interesting to think about the Hellfire Gala X Men votes mm. and how. All right, if someone wants to lead, tell yeah. us why, and we coalesce around that. Right. And that would be something that I would like to see. Who those people are, I'm not sure. Right, like campaigning, essentially. Right, right. What's your big idea? You know, mm. how do we move forward as a people? Here's my other question. Where the heck was Rasputin this whole issue? Sleeping, taking a nap. I don't know. Kicked out of the council chambers yeah. for this particular discussion. You know, her fighting with hope, that was no-no. <laughs> That was a no-no. Jay Arbach author said, poor Doug. He thought everything was going well, and then he gets dragged underground. He thought that he was trying to make the right decision, that he was doing the right thing. Mm. It's true. Bruce 33 this really reinforces for me that only Emma really cares about Krakoa as a nation. Others care, but differently. Mm-hmm. Right? I, lo- I love that. Thank you. Applause in a circle to you. A round of applause. Emma. That's it. That's the issues. That's a, that's a big. That's a big one. Oof, woof. But how are you feeling? I still feel like what is gonna happen? I just like I don't feel. I don't. I feel excited, but it's it's like it's more of a building anticipation of what the heck is about to happen and like this like, just ah, like. There's nothing that is ending in a positive. Nothing is leaving me with like any semblance of hope. Even the idea that we're stowing mutants away just says something bad is going to happen. Sadness. Like we already know something bad is going to happen, but like something really bad is going to happen. And I don't want to think about what it means for characters that I love, you know? Yeah. We only have two comics next week and we're also unsure how yeah with us being at san diego like how's that gonna go we're gonna fly out wednesday morning we're gonna be at san diego all weekend we'll see yeah plus the following wednesday is the gala i think we're talking about doing uh, an episode separately the gala gets its own i mean it's a giant issue well and i was also thinking do we talk about the hellfire gala itself Mm, that we attend the the gala and the gala right right that could be a cool i don't know we'll figure it out well what are the issues coming at us for next week? x-men red Okay. The start of the war mm. and the last of New Mutants Leave the Legion. Ooh. Initially, Wolverine was supposed to come out at the same time, but that's been pushed and comes out the same week as the gala. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, Jiminy Crickets. Well, we'll have to figure it out. Something will happen. You'll get episodes from us. They just might be a little delayed. Yeah. We'll see. Okay, I have to go like some take some deep breaths and mentally prepare myself for what the heck is about to happen over the next few weeks of both my life and comics. Who even knows? Exactly. 
Who even knows? Until next time, old friend. Charles, what happened to you? <laughs> Where are your dreams? Gone. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>